Have you had a harder time focusing on Christmas this year or focusing on much of anything besides the news and how bad much of that is? People are suffering a lot more this year, maybe more so in this holiday season when a lot of people suffer depression and loneliness anyway pre-COVID. What should we do with those realities and how do we make sense of them? I'm Sheila Lagminas and you're in the Forum. What do you want this Christmas? We're asked that question or we ask others each year at this time. But this year, we have the opportunity to see it all with key new perspective. With such an overwhelming load of real concerns that weigh people down and sap their joy and even energy, at least in many cases, those who exude joy and extend a hand and loving kindness stand out more than ever. And they help us see what Christmas giving and receiving is really about. One of those people was here. Joining me to focus a bit on all this is Catherine Jean Lopez, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and editor-at-large of National Review. She's the, the author of I Love This Book, A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. Catherine, welcome back. It's great to have you here. It's great to hear your voice, Joa. It's great to hear yours. I, I do on your webinars. You're doing so many, and they're doing wonderful things for people that you don't even know. That's the thing about a webinar, right? When people are tuned in, you don't really know who all is out there. Uh, but they're doing wonderful things for people who are down and depressed, and you're probably hearing that from some people. What about your book, Catherine? I, I noticed that you put on social media the other day that you're buying a lot of them, and as humble as you always are, that you'd love to take your name off the cover so that it doesn't you know, that it doesn't seem the same way, like when you're buying up a lot of your own books to give out as gifts. But it's such a wonderful book, A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. This year, we need that book more than ever. So a year, how about 2020 with the mystics? Well, you know, one tremendous grace is uh, I was supposed to have that book done many years ago. It took me much longer than it was supposed to. And the Catholic Information Center in DC ordered 200 copies of it to give, bought 200 copies to give to their top donors. And so a number of people in Washington told me at various times during the year that because they were gifted that they started reading it on January 1st and it had been a help to them when uh, the churches were closed down. And so, I mean, that's such um, a humble honor to have been able to participate in that work of God, obviously not me. And, um, and, the thing about the book, as I said to you before, Sheila, is I feel more like a curator than an author of it because, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, the heart of it is meditations by saints and other holy people. And, and so, you know, you, you, you're not the author of Thomas Aquinas' words or, <laughs> or Donna the Cross or Teresa of Avila or Mother Teresa or John Paul II. Um, but what a blessing to be able to bring so many readings that have helped me um, into, you know, one small, beautiful, uh, because the publisher did a beautiful job with it, accessible um, package. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm very grateful that they 
they published it and that it exists and that I do think, you know, people are um, searching and reprioritizing because of this coronavirus pandemic and all the, the suffering and uncertainty. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I had, the, had in mind actually at the beginning of Advent to start myself reading through it again. That's I'm, a good idea. I've never actually, you know, done the 365 days uh, at once it was produced, you know, um, uh, I've done my, my approach with a lot of things is to dip in and out and mm -hmm. you know, which is something you can do with it too. So I've done some of that since it's existed. Um, but maybe on January 1st, maybe I, I might do my, my own year with the mystics read. I think that's a good idea for 2021, right? To start the year that yeah, way. Right, right. Year. Whatever, whatever year. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm bad at numbers. Um, although it'll be hard <laughs> to forget that this year was 2020. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll never forget that ever. We'll forget. That's going down in history. Is it, is it, so, Catherine, if you saw, I'm going to send you a photo. Um, I'll email it to you. Of your book and the way all these flags I have on it, uh, different color <laughs> flags on the pages. And then I, I will, you can't see the highlighting inside unless I just do a video flipping through it. But anyway, so I took a very, so besides all the, the page markers, I took a very large, what's, it's actually what came with the book wrapped around it. So it's, it's a sort of cardboardish kind of thing from St. Benedict Press, A Year with the Mystics with the whole thing, escape the noise and find the peace of Christ is on the front. Anyway, that's larger than the book slightly because it wraps around the book. So that's it. So I wanted to just, put it in there to have to use to mark a particular page when, when I picked one. But in the meantime, Catherine, I just picked up your book and just stuck it in there somewhere and then just brought the book to my desk. So just before here in talking to you, I looked at where did that land? Cause I didn't actually intentionally put it on one page. So the Holy, you know, Holy spirit is behind everything. You know where it landed? Um, day 112 vigilance. And okay. you, and this is St. Paul of the cross. And it's the first line, and I'll, I'll let you, you share your thoughts on this, but that's where it landed. And St. Paul of the Cross is you, what you took from him. The easiest way to keep your peace of heart is to accept everything as coming directly from the hands of God who loves you. If, uh, the next line, if you do this, any pain or persecution, anything which is difficult to accept will be transformed into a source of joy, happiness, and peace. I thought, wow, that was a Holy Spirit thing. It, it, in this time, when people are so devoid of peace and devoid of joy and have an ab abundance of suffering, that yeah. had to have been providential. Yeah, um, I've been praying a lot recently um, as really crappy things happen, to use a theological term, um, <laughs> to <laughs> begging God to help me love his will. Um, even when I don't understand it. And I feel like that's a prayer for a lot of people about that theological concept. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And uh, also I would be remiss if I didn't say this. If anyone who has um, benefited from that book would just pray for the repose of the soul of John Morehouse, the editor who um, died suddenly, uh, two weeks ago, um, maybe it's three weeks ago now, I'm losing track of time, and leaves a, a family with, um, with youngest children, and the oldest is a freshman at Christendom right now. 
Uh, um, yeah, I know this has been a year of, of such, uh, such pain and suffering and he was just yeah. a beautiful man. Um, and we had just spoken, um, he died on, on Saturday night and we spoke on Friday and, mm. um, you know, it's, it's, uh, a reminder that I, you know, I know I'm like this too, you know, he had, he had said that he, he was feeling uncharacteristically tired and um, for a number of days. And, um, you know, I think especially with the pandemic, we don't, our, our first reflex is not to run to urgent care or, or the ER or anything. Right. It's like the last place on earth you wanna be. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so that came as a real surprise, did it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a huge surprise in, oh. in 51. Um, he reminds me of my own father who died almost 21 years ago um, at Christmas time, actually. Oh. And it was the same kind of scenario, you know, he just, you know, dropped dead immediately and it was unexpected. And um, yeah, yeah, I know there's a, a lot of pain and, and suffering in the world. Um, but, you know, the, the huge lesson, I think, and even mercy in this year in this pandemic is that we are all vulnerable and we are all going to die. You know, it's like the greatest fear, but it's the reality we can't escape. Mm -hmm. And so we have to beg God to have peace with this. And what is to have peace with this? I was talking to um, Bishop Bill Byrne earlier uh, actually, um, we were doing an event. He was just um, installed as Bishop of Springfield, uh, Massachusetts, last week, and um, and and we were talking about uh, about similar things. And um, one of the the things he said is to meditate on, you know, if this were my last day, how would I spend it? Mm -hmm. And you know, I actually, there's a line um, from somewhere in scripture, I always forget where it is, but it says, do nothing that will sadden the Holy Spirit. And I kind of think like, if you keep that in your head all the time, like that will guide your, that's like the Holy Spirit guiding your decisions by yeah. your choice, you know, to, to continue to keep that in your mind as you're going about things in the world, you know, and, and eventually I feel like it, it, it influences everything, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know obviously you know watching netflix or something but sometimes when you hear you know how people used it to survive you know i mean if you're serious about surviving that word you know mm -hmm. um you know maybe maybe a little less of that and a little more spiritual reading or you know i think you know one of the things that really uh was impressed upon me during this year is, uh, you know, I uh, sort of, my fuel is the sacraments, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're taken mm -hmm. away from you, what do you do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I really struggled with that. And thanks be to God that for years I've been reading the Liturgy of the Hours, praying mm -hmm. the Liturgy of the Hours. So I did feel like that was my oxygen, <laughs> you know? It, right. It was a real black, and, and the fact of the matter that so much of it is the Psalms and right. the Psalm, like every human emotion is hit upon in the Psalms. In the Psalms, right. So it's, it's not just a spiritual, but a mental health, you know, yeah, uh, yes. health, 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 health. Um, and, um, 
and I certainly hope that we do not get, I, some people are in the scenario this Christmas where they still don't have access to the, the sacraments. And, and one thing I've been impressing upon people, um, say thank you, you know, um, to the priests who did, you know, keep confession going, did mm -hmm. everything they could um, to um, have people have access to the sacraments as best as possible, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and who weren't, Good point. frankly, who weren't content with just the virtual stuff, you know, tried to give more mm -hmm. um, because virtual mass is, is not something that we should become comfortable with. And yeah. um, I'm kind of, I, I'm grateful that I was never comfortable with it. You know, there was one, one day I was kind of, I, I think I was drinking tea while I was watching it and, and, and eating salmon. And I thought, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm officially over this. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm not pretending this is mass. That having been said, some days it was such a blessing. Um, <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, but but to this day, I contend that if you had let me into Mass and wouldn't let me receive the Eucharist, I would still be there because being present at the consecration of mm -hmm. Mass is, there's nothing like it, you know, where mm -hmm. the veil between heaven and earth is lifted and um, a miracle happens and uh yeah and and the unity of the church such that it is 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 uh is possible because that keeps happening and uh yeah anyway um no that that's that's so true to the point where uh, it, it really hurt you know so many of us who had locked churches while we had friends in other states who were open the whole time or and able to see their spiritual directors and, and able to go to confession and, and so on. And I know my church was locked for a very long time. And I, I, I started to get, it's, it's terrible to admit, but I will. Uh, I started to get a little cranky about it. And I thought, well, I mean, I understand wholeheartedly. Uh, I understand completely when they have to do that. And, and with when regular messages come out about why, you know, back when they were locked, they were locked and uh, will open as soon as possible. When you aren't getting a sense of when that will be and nobody answers when you call a parish and you get the voicemail month after month, you know, you feel such a disconnectedness from your church that just being outside knowing, you know, that the tabernacle's in there and the reserve blessed sacrament and making the sign of the cross and talking to our Lord. I mean, it, it comes to that sometimes, but thanks be to God, so many of us can go to mass, can go ahead of time to confession. Can, some people can go to adoration and stay a little longer or, and some not. Uh, but, but Catherine, I know what you mean. And in, in, in that crankiness, you know, it's so, it's so filled in. <laughs> But as you say, by the liturgy of the hours. So we should, you know, I think by saying this, we already are, encourage people to do the liturgy of the hours, pray them. And as you just did, and I second that, because the Psalms alone, you just said, cover the gamut of human emotions. And especially in this year, they cover whatever people are suffering right now. To your point about prayer, a little bit ago, that you are specifically, that you are praying to accept God's will. And I forget the rest of how you put that, whether I understand it or not, or to, to like desire it. God's will. Yeah. Not, not just accept, but desire. Did because I think that's, you know, key to being able to be joyful in this world. Um, and yeah, not even though I'm, I, I don't understand it. 
Um, yeah, no, I, there's something about, you know, it, and it comes up in so many of the writings of the saints where, you know, they, they literally, you know, thirst for what he wants. Um, and um, that can be very difficult when, you know, you realize all the obstacles and you realize how hard it is. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if it is his will, I, I, I want to desire it, you know? Yeah. Yes. And, and this is what, this is what we all need to get to is with so much prayer going on very publicly up through the elections. I hate to even bring up the elections, but, or politics, but unfortunately it's in our face all the time. So it's, and it's a part of American life. It, as Catholics, we're called by our church to be involved in the political process because that's how policies are made. And we're, 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 we're a part of making hopefully moral policies by calling on our elected representatives and so forth. But during that, Catherine, I, I got a letter and I brought this up before, but you know, you probably get this from people who know you're a devout Catholic and they think, well, well maybe they don't know a priest or wouldn't ask a priest, but they would ask you. Hmm. And so it was from somebody who knows me very well. And you know, somebody I'm close to young lady, and she was very upset and she's very intelligent and back around the, so she's she's talked about all of the prayer going on in the christian world before the elections and and, and you and i both know novenas rosaries vigils adoration there was there was so much going on for pro-life issues for religious liberty there was just so much going on about the stakes and and she also was reading an awful lot of news and social media. And so when I wrote her, we talked about, she talked about how do I, what, what now? What about this now? And, and so I wrote her back and said, well, Padre Pio always said, pray, trust, and don't worry. And she wrote me back and said, not worrying is very hard. <laughs> and so she said, I read, and then she put like, you know, a little news blurb in, in this message to me. She said, I try to stay away from news now. So I didn't want to dig into that more, but I struggle with prayer. She said, I'm praying for God's will to be done. But then she asked this, not being a regular, you know, practicing a regular, you know, faith or attending church. She asked, won't it always, she said, praying for God's will to be done, but won't God's will always be done whether or not I ask or am I overthinking this like I do everything? She said, God knows the outcome already, right? Based on the choices he knows will make. So why are people asking Christians to pray for God's will to be done? And this was through the, the elections and she was just really kind of really very, very nervous. Well, who wasn't? But she's, so there she was reaching out to ask specifically about prayer. Somebody stops you who knows you, maybe in New York or DC, wherever you are and asks you that or writes you. What, what are you going to say to them? Oh, I was I was hoping you had the perfect answer, Sheila. <laughs> um, I, I, I think the answer is that, uh, that God allows things, he gives us free will. And so he allows things that are, are contrary to his will, but, uh, but we know that he wins in the end, but that doesn't mean there aren't going to be trials and tribulations that are not what God intends. Um, but God will use them. Um, but the fact of the matter is that we know that we live in a fallen world where there is evil and people mm -hmm. choose not to follow God. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it makes 
perfect sense and it's crucial to pray that his will be done because um, spiritual warfare is real and um, the resurrection is real, um, but it's not a given that even Christians are going to participate in God's plan. So, um, so the wrong choices will be made, but we yeah. still, as an act of faith, need to ask God to right the wrongs, you know? Right, right. And in fact, in, so I'm going to bring up two of your recent columns, and um, I'm not going to dig back the way I do often, you know, to a year ago or whatever. <laughs> often you'll, you'll quote something I don't even remember having written. I should give you that heads up ahead of time, but these are from the month no, of December. I just, I, thanks be to God, he, uh, he, he came through again on a so, deadline. <laughs> these, these two are just recently. I mean, in fact, in the past like week or two. And speaking of, so somebody really very, very worried about, you know, politics and, and God's will and so forth. You, one of your articles was, we don't need a president to save us. We need to be heroes. And, and, and I love that you brought up that incredibly, I don't know what I would call it, iconic, emblematic, whatever it was. It was, I think of this, Father Steve Gruno said it was sort of the defining moment of Francis's papacy when... Italy was just all shut down, suffer. The world has been suffering and it was very rainy and dark in St. Peter's Square. And you, you describe that so, I got goosebumps just right now thinking about it. And you describe that so well, it was dark out there. No people were about except maybe emergency vehicles, as you said, going by. And he was out there all alone with the white, with the lights uh, above his head because it's raining. So he was, had that, you know, that little structure he, he, he stands in. And the lights over his head shining down on him just lit up the white of the, of the Pope's vestment or his uh, robe. And he had a, he had a prepared re address and then a lot of prayer after that, including lifting the monstrance, making the sign of cross over the world, you know, the prayer, the benediction. I mean, it was amazing. And, and Catherine, what you cited from Pope Francis Talk about that for a moment. In this article, we don't need a president to save us. We need to be heroes. So you cite what Francis says about that. He, he, he asks, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Talk about that for a moment, because you must have been inspired to write in that column to go back and cite Pope Francis citing scripture. Well, I want to relive that day, that hour of prayer that day, every day. And mm. the most powerful part of that was when he was in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And mm -hmm. I think that one of the mercies of this year is at a time where we know that people do not believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, that the act of faith and the model that Pope Francis chose to show the world at the most pivotal moment in this crisis was to humbly go before our Lord and say, essentially, we're powerless, helpless. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to be doing more and more and more. And I think that one of the things that people who are not priests, who are a lot of the Catholic population, in fact, most of it, should take from this is 
We need to be in front of the Blessed Sacrament and we need to encourage parishes to make this a priority. That means that lay people have to step up to the plate to be doing the hours. We need to uh, encourage a culture where people know they're part of the church and take some ownership of that and some leadership. And so that means in a parish, you don't go to father and say, father, we have to have adoration. You go to parishioners and say, we have to have adoration. Who's on board? Who's yeah. going to put the hours in? So then we can go to father and say, we need adoration because the world feels like it's going to hell and we need to pray more. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that's part of the message of this year. I'm not saying God is doing this to us, mm -hmm. but I think yeah. he's allowing it because our priorities are screwed up in so many cases, yeah. myself included. And so I, and I think too about a number of years ago, Pope Francis had something like a seven hour prayer vigil in St. Peter's for the persecuted Christians in, in Syria at the time and, and you know, the region, so Iraq and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So he was again, modeling what we should be doing. I don't think we took that message. And yeah. sure enough, all hell broke loose in the ISIS genocide, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and um, continued uh, violence in, in Syria. And, and so uh, I think we, we absolutely have to make a, a newfound commitment to prayer. And like I said, you know, a, a prayerful, humble, taking ownership and leadership. Um, you know, one of the... I think, you know, there's a model here. I just joined the board of the North American Martyr Shrine in Orisville, New York, which is such oh. humble, privilege, honor, joy. Um, and it's owned, um, you know, it had obviously been owned for a very long time by, by the Jesuits, but now it's uh, not. It's owned by a lay board with uh, the Bishop of Albany, Scharfenberger, on the, on the board, chairman of the board. Um, but it's not a church entity. And I think that that is a model for the future because, you know, you right now have this, this situation where the church owns so many properties and it doesn't have the money um, in part because people aren't going to church like they used to. Um, in part, uh, obviously taxes and all these things. And in part, because people aren't giving to the church like they used to, you know, you, mm -hmm. you walk around New York City and, and so many of the churches, you know, you see the immigrant past and the families who, you know, had, had, the, had the windows dedicated to deceased loved ones and all of, all right. of this, you know, lay people you know, built a lot of these churches. And then, you know, honestly, in, in uh, abandon them in, in, in many ways. Um, you know, we just have a different culture now where we have so many fallen away Catholics, right? And so, um, you know, maybe some of the model of the future is, um, and I, I remember my, my dear friend, Andrew Walther, who died on All Saints Day, yeah. we talked about this uh, yeah. sometimes. Um, you know, maybe, maybe this, uh, not maybe, this all has to look different. And frankly, bishops shouldn't have to be in the position where they're, you know, managing real estate. So I think, I think um, this, this time, this, you know, Advent Christmas, going into a new year, 
really rejoicing in a new year. <laughs> you know, I think um, I think that will probably be a, a universal experience in, in some ways. I think it calls for a lot of reflection about like, how can, how can I be more creative and um, more fully integrated into my identity as a Catholic Christian, you know? What does that mean? Or is there more that I should be doing? Should I be thinking about this differently? Should I be um, making plans and proposals, you know? Um, the other thing, there's a different topic. I just, I wanna go back to something we were talking about earlier, Sheila. Um, the liturgy of the hours is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I also know not everyone can pray it. I think yeah. that Magnificat um, did a, a great um, uh, gift, gave a great gift to the church in um, having having a scaled back version, you know, of morning and, and evening prayer, um, which is not the same as as what um, priests and and uh, consecrated people and uh, commit to, you know, but, um, but, but it's still a a taste of it and it's doable. You know, the other thing, sometimes I recommend to people who ask me is there are these apps for the liturgy, the hours, I breathe and daily office, and you can just pray some of it, you know, just, just, you know, go on morning prayer and pray a Psalm and let that be what you do. The other thing I, I often recommend to people, I think if every Catholic took a look at the um, second reading in the office of readings every day, which is oh, yeah, I do. beautiful meditation. If you did nothing else, that would add something to your, to your day and to your spiritual life. Um, some of the days it just blows me away. Me too. Uh, last, last week I, I had this hysterical incident where I read the wrong reading and it was from St. Augustine and it yeah. was it was exactly what I was supposed to read but it Me wasn't too. Actually the reading for the day. Uh, it must have been the same day because whatever day this was when I did that same thing like oh my gosh this my schedule is just so jammed and I don't like the excuse I don't have time to pray so I don't do that but but what I did that day was I had already done morning prayer so I wanted I so wanted to read what what in the office of the readings instead of starting you know from the beginning with the different psalms and so forth i thought i i i got to see what the readings are so i hurried up and i read i i i went past it's usually isaiah these days but um the first the first reading but i really wanted to see what who's the second reading it was augustine i thought oh this is wonderful this is wonderful and he i don't i think it was about the one i'm referring to was about um oh talking and the word and, and and the importance of the word and i thought Oh my gosh, this is what I'm writing right now, the importance of the word. And so I thought this was definitely a Holy Spirit thing, but I know what you mean. The second reading in the office of the readings, if you read that every day, oh wow, you can get a lot. Yeah, it's it really is a great, a great blessing. Um, um, but again, if you subscribe to Magnificat, um, and I, I think they have some some reduced rates right now for Yeah, they do. Okay for trial, um, uh, you know, just taste and see if you're going to, you're actually going to use it. Um, I just think that is such a gift to the church. Um, it has the readings of the day. It has a meditation every day and it has some of that, that, um, modified, um, morning and evening prayer. So if you're looking for something, but don't know how much you can commit to, well, this is, this is something that, that can give you a help. 
That, and also don't forget, uh, A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living, Catherine <laughs> Lopez's book that she put together with all these saints, uh, meditations or thoughts or um, quotes and so forth. That is just a gem. A couple of things I really want to fit in while I still have you. Uh, one that is coming up, if, if somebody hears this conversation right away by the 23rd of December, and you can tell me after this in a minute, uh, when they, how they can hear it afterwards, after the actual live webinar happens, because you're doing so many marvelous w webinars. But I love that, since we're talking about Magnificat as, as especially, he's not there now, he's not in his role now. But Father Peter John Cameron was uh, with the Magnificat when, when they first launched it. So you're going to, you and Father Cameron, what an, what an incredible webinar this is going to be, titled Making Sense of 2020. Made for love, uh, colon, made for love, loved by God. Catherine, how, if, you, if you don't mind giving a little preview, how are you and Father Cameron going to make sense of 2020? <laughs> well, Sorry, yeah, but... This is part of a series that I, I invented um, a month or so ago where I decided that I was going to talk to people about this year and going forward. And one tremendous fear that I have, and I had a conversation just last night with an Uber driver who... Um, always, uh, always. Yeah. Well, it, that went on hiatus during shutdown, but but um, I have gotten <laughs> back into it a little bit. And um, and so in small talk, he says to me, and this is the small talk people have these days, mm -hmm. um, only six more days, he says. And I said, oh, is that the new year? Yeah, yeah, I'm counting down the minutes. And uh, he said, it's, it's got to get better after this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> son you know I didn't say that but uh, I'm like dude um it's it's not gonna get better it's gonna get more challenging yeah, and we need to rise to the occasion that you know this is a complicated world that is is just going to continue to be so and he's like really you think 2020 and so um I so I have this tremendous my heart is heavy um knowing that a lot of people are expecting January 1st to make everything better. And yeah. um, the fact of the matter is we need to be better, you know? And um, so, and we can't be better unless we fully appreciate who we are and why we are and what we're destined for. And so Father Peter John wrote a book uh, a number of years ago, made, made, made for Love, Loved by God, which when it came out, I found tremendously powerful. Um, and like he does, he does a beautiful job of, of weaving in sort of real life, mm -hmm. sort of real life, <laughs> actual real life. And, uh, <sighs> and, and the treasury, the tremendous treasury of, of the saints and, and our faith. And um, so we're going to tap into that a little bit. You know, I just, I, one of the terrible things about these masks is, um, mm. you know, and I, I support all prudent measures and I have an elderly mother and, you know, so I'm being careful. And mm. I had, had a COVID scare last week, actually. So oh, this is not, you know, this is not something I think is a joke. However, there's something about the face masks and the phrase socially distancing that, that just feels like it's from hell, you know? Like, Isn't it though? You can't, yeah see people's faces you can't mm. smile at them 
or they don't know that you're smiling at them. Um, you, um, you know, people, people need to be hugged now and again. I'm not the yeah. world's biggest hugger, but, um, but you know, you appreciate things when they're gone. And um, yeah, when you can't hug members of your family, I, I sort of think we were overdoing hugging myself um, when it became like the the greeting for people who you know you weren't that close to. But, yeah, right. but that's the introvert speaking, probably too. But um, but yeah, I know that you can't hug your mother or your son or you know this is crazy. Um, although I'm 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 obeying, you know. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want people to get sick unnecessarily. But um, people don't know that they're loved. They don't know what love is. Um, you know, I don't know what love is. You know, we're still on this journey to mm -hmm. understanding that. You know, the part of the reason why I was involved in the year of, with the mystics is because people are attracted to mystical things they think right. they're kind of exotic um but the catechism of the catholic church says that mysticism is a journey to union with god and which is the purpose of our lives and so your our entire lives every minute is an opportunity to learn more about god and part of how we learn more about God is obviously meditating on him and his word, um, obviously spending time reading um, the writings of, of the saints, people who, who loved him um, well. And, um, and when we're doing that and we're accepting how much he loves us to come into the world and anyone who's a human being can testify it's not the easiest thing in the world. And so God himself chooses to become, put himself in that vulnerable position, um, which can be pretty lousy some days and, um, and to save us, you know? Yeah. And, he, and he's the know, gift. Yeah. And every time, you know, we see, suffering and injustice and stupidity that is unnecessary you know yeah um Most that of it is. we all know we all know what i'm talking about you know we have to look at jesus on the cross and see what injustice that was you know oh, the, like, the, the biggest that was the worst yeah and and he made good out of that you know and so I, I, I think, you know, part of our conversation is, is going to be talking about, so what does that look like practically? How do we actually live this, you know? Um, and how do we show that kind of love in the world and, and see that kind of love in the world, which can be so hard sometimes. I mean, I, I years ago, I wanted to write a book called Why, Why Is This Man Weeping? with Pope Francis on the cover because he was, especially early in his pontificate, he talked about weeping a lot, about weeping in prayer for the suffering of others. And I have to tell you, Sheila, walking around the city of New York these days, I feel like weeping on every street corner sometimes. There's such human misery all around. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to walk on city streets to know that. You see it on your phone. You read about it in um, the you know, heightened rates of suicide, it's a reality. 
and how can we be light in this um, misery and how can we protect ourselves from being um, immersed and succumbing to this misery, um, which can be really tempting with all the things going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's why I've been doing all these Zoom conversations and things, Sheila, because I don't know how many people they're helping, you know, um, but I'm, I'm praying that they're helping somebody. And every once in a while, I do hear from, from somebody who tells me that they were an encouragement in one way or another. And, um, and I know personally, every time, um, and we had a brief experience this, this uh, fall where um, Father Peter John Cameron was in New York. And every time we have a conversation, I am encouraged personally. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to, to share some of our conversations with, with other people because I think they might be encouraged too. You'll never know on this side of the veil how many people they are encouraging. You only hear from a couple. You only hear from a few. I know how. I know that feeling. You wonder. And you it goes out there. <laughs> yeah, right. You. It, I mean, it, it goes out there, and you wonder, and you, and you, you're really grateful. You're very, very grateful, and that's how it helps us, helps me bring back up what you said earlier. You know, be thankful. Be thankful more. Uh, let's learn many lessons from this this year. We've gone through these crises, but being thankful is one of them. And so you'll never know. And I know that, as I said, that feeling when it goes out and you wonder, well, was it, was that like, did it resonate with anybody? Like one person or something? But when talking you, to myself? Yeah. Right, right. When you hear from that one person or when you hear from somebody who is a person who says that, oh, how deeply grateful you are in your heart. And, and, it, and it's in, you immediately say, thank you, Jesus, because you, you know, it's God, you know, it's Christ, you know, it's the Holy Spirit working through you as an instrument, but that's, that's being open to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And you truly are by writing, you know, doing these, the year, a year with the mystics, visionary wisdom for daily living, the, the columns and articles you write when you put on Facebook and I'm Catherine, I'm seldom there anymore. I'll, a month will go by before I even sign back in again. But if I find an article, it's a good human interest uh, feature that I think people might've missed and they need to see or something helpful or positive, or uplifting, touching, whatever, or urgent, and or you know, sort of urgent action you can take to help someone. I want then I'll sign in and quickly do that. Well, I'll see you frequently uh, when I'm on there asking for prayers. You'll never without saying you know for whom, maybe a first name, maybe not. It, we all know that if it's you asking for a special intention, please, if you in your in your good intentions in your heart, if you can lift up a prayer, I immediately pray in that moment. And by the way, as you know, I pray for you every day, but I know you're out there doing this and, and you're, you feel and you hear the direction of the Holy Spirit because you pray for that and you discern that. And I love, Catherine, that in this article we're talking about of yours at National Review titled, We Don't Need a President to Save Us, We Need to Be Heroes. I love the line when, when you, you talk about, uh, he po- oh, so Pope Francis, you, you're going back to when he was out in St. Peter's Square the prayer he did out there, the benediction, the dark rainy night uh, evening in Rome, how powerful that was. And he, ta- he talks about, he said, faith begins when we realize we're in, ne- we're in need of salvation. We're not self-sufficient. And then you wrote, he pointed to God. And Catherine, two sentences later, you said, God brings serenity into our storms because with God, life never dies. And I, when I read that, I thought, I've been meaning to send you an email saying how very sorry I am for you and all the losses you've had in your personal life of 
personal close friends, and I can think back over the past three to five years, many people you've lost. Now you tell us about John Morehouse, recently Andrew Walther. There have been others. But I love that line. And you recall this yourself. I, I know you do, but you wrote it. Because with God, life never dies. I love the, the, the in the prayer of the church, I, I believe at funerals, life has not ended. It has only changed. And that is so reassuring when we've lost a loved one or someone we care a great deal about. So that is, that's you being you and bringing hope to people. And you and Father Cameron are going to do that, making sense of 2020, Wednesday, December 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'll post a link to how people can, can sign up to, to watch that on you Zoom. You can't watch it live. It'll exist after the fact. Um, yeah. And I have to say, um, Sheila, I, you know, I, I've had this conversation with a couple of people recently who have lost people because there's just been obviously a lot of death this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm uh, sometimes what I write, I'm writing to reemphasize it to myself, you know, um, it's not that I don't struggle with these things. It's not that, uh, to the contrary, you know, I, uh, after Andrew died, um, I had to make an act of faith, um, to just, uh, accept, you know, even though I was not feeling it, you know, that, that, that this, there is good here, you know, um, because, you know, he's, he's a, a father of young children. His, his youngest isn't one yet. She's my goddaughter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so when you look at that, and he was in this tremendous position as he has just started as the, the president of news at EWTN. And, he knew so many people and was such a wise advisor to so many people. And he literally saved lives in Iraq um, because persecuted Christians became a mission of his that he felt very strongly that God had assigned him to. And um, in the, in the most humble way, you know, um, and that was Andrew and he was so behind the scenes, you know, um, he's one of these people who, not many people understand how impactful his life was um, because he was not um, uh, on display about it. In fact, you know, I find uh, I don't have many, I don't think, I don't have many pictures of him. Um, I, there were a couple times with his family that I was snapping pictures. If the kids are around, I would snap pictures. <laughs> When we were, you know, doing work, I didn't, I didn't take pictures of him. That would have been weird, you know. Um, no, you don't think about it. Yeah. It's just weird, first of all, but but it would even more more so because he was so off the record. Oh. Um, but um, I sort of regret that I didn't 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 do more of that. Um, but but anyway, I, the the point I want to make is that you know this isn't two pious ladies who you know have have some kind of supernatural, you know, gift that means that they don't suffer, you know, yeah, uh, this, this life is, is suffering. And, um, and, you know, we struggle as much as, as, uh, as anybody. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's even, even more of a struggle when you, you do know what you believe, you know, because you have to believe it. <laughs> and, right. 
and sometimes it, it hurts a lot. So um, we're we're not we're not coming to you um, as as uh, angelic figures or anything. We're, this is this is uh, this can be an ugly life, but there's a lot of beauty in there too, and that's why it's so important to. I mean, I this year I have taken. So such a newfound appreciation in simple things like yeah. um I was in total isolation for a while and one of the only things I had was I made it a point that when I knew the sun was about to set I was gonna go out and I wasn't in a city context or then and uh, I was gonna go out and I noticed how the you know the birds put on a symphony right before I didn't I'm from Aww. New York I don't know that <laughs> so um, it was just uh, you know and so appreciating in the midst of the suffering you know, God is God is incredible and put us here and loves us and is such beauty and the best artist there is and the best composer there is and um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think we have to make a new found uh, commitment to to giving thanks and saying thank you. And uh, actually, when I was talking to Bishop um, Byrne from Springfield, who it's very weird calling him Bishop Byrne, in part because there's an auxiliary in, in New York who I know well, um, who is um, Bishop Byrne. And um, but also because he just became Bishop Byrne and I know right. him, Father Byrne for many, many years. And, um, but I'm delighted in, in many ways that, that he's a bishop because there, there are certain people who you don't want to, you don't wish that upon them, you know. I, know. I have some friends who sometimes I pray to God, please don't make them do that. <laughs> but because, and they feel that way too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, but you know, he, like he describes himself as, as chronically uh, hopeful and, um, and he's <laughs> a good, good man. And, um, and, and so, you know, he is, he is someone that you want in leadership and um, in a diocese that has suffered a lot too. Mm -hmm. And so thanks be to God for that and, and pray for him. And, and I think, you know, in our gratitude, when we see, you know, there are so many people who really are trying their best. I know there are some people who aren't, um, or it looks like that, but there's always some story, like these, these people who have been executed federally, I just, yeah. it, it just rips my heart out because these are, you know, you cannot excuse the heinous things that they did. Mm -hmm. But like, there's this this woman whose name I now forget. She never had a shot in life. You know, she was being raped as a single di digit child. You know, mm -hmm. like she never had a chance. And um, so you know, when I see I I. <laughs> I try to be as um, understanding as possible and assume the best. And sometimes that can really get me into trouble. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, <laughs> no, that's good. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's, this is obviously a scam. I, I've encountered more and more of that lately on the streets. Uh, but I still pray for them, you know, because God only knows why, why they're doing this, you know. Um, there's, there's this, I didn't know it was a scam. There's this thing that happens uh, apparently on city streets where um, uh, a dude is holding food and then he bumps into you and acts like you bumped into him. Oh, <laughs> and boy. Now you have to give him money for the food. 
Oh, watch out for people being close to you. You shouldn't be that close in the first. He well, shouldn't be that close in the first place. Well, that was exactly like at first. I don't, at first, my first instinct, I was horrified that I did this to this poor man, and I'm thinking he was nowhere near me. How could that have possibly yeah. happened? When I was way. <laughs> oh, I that's still, wrong. Still pray for him because yeah. you know it's not. It's not a happy person who decides to do that. You know. Yeah, that's that's nasty. But there's a lot. Of, it's a year of nastiness. It was a summer of, of 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 violence and anger and hatred and not that the hatred went away, but uh, and desperation lot, and desperation and vitriol and you know a lot of the vitriol continues. So how do we change that? Well, we become the change. And uh, I know that sounds so meager when somebody says, oh, but we just, I mean, how do we become some like big force, right? Well, enough of us do this together in solidarity. We can make a difference. We will. The virtue and the beatitudes. There you, you are. A certain a sort of, I'm losing my patience with, you know, there are people, Liz Lev is qualified to talk about the Vatican nativity scene. Mm. And so, uh, but you know, you most of us aren't art historians and you know the vatican uh, nativity scene really doesn't impact my life mm. <laughs> only only in as much as i let it you know yeah and i think we've been doing a lot of of letting you know it's like why is it there's this phrase that that people have about you know not letting people live rent free in your, in your mind or in your life. Oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah something like, that. like why, why are you letting this bother you when there's so much that good that you can do in your life and it becomes a distraction at a certain point, you know, I mean, I felt this way about, you know, there, obviously I work at national review for Pete's sake. Politics is important. I know that, mm -hmm. but we've made it the most important thing. I, you know, I, I confess, I got to a point where I, I just, I don't care. Don't tell me what Donald Trump tweeted, you know, yeah. I just like, there are other things in life. And yes, I know it's important. And, and all of this is important, but it's not, it's not the heart and soul of your life. And right. we can do these tremendous things. If, yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you one, one quick story, Sheila. I, have been spending more time. I've, I'm a coward and I don't like praying outside of abortion clinics. I don't mm -hmm. because I, I see too much and I, I, I just, it just breaks my heart mm -hmm. and it makes me mad. And, and anyway, so I, I have been praying the rosary outside an abortion clinic and a Planned Parenthood. Oh, that's hard then for you. Um, and so you see, you see the woman going in and you, um, and you know, sometimes it's clear what's happening. And mm -hmm. there are, on weekdays, there are some evangelicals who stand out there, God bless them. And they say things that I don't think are the most helpful things. Yeah. And, you know, don't kill your baby. Well, you know, they don't think it's a baby. And, you know, maybe and and even you know jesus wants to save your soul they immediately feel like you're judging them you know mm -hmm. there's another way to invite people to christ there's another way right that that's having the, been said that's the way to put it yeah but Sheila, that having been said there aren't catholics out there except for this one woman named marianne every day on a weekday basis there are not catholics out there there is um a witness the first saturday of every month but 
where are all the Catholics in New York, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. I do, I, and I'm not judging. And like I said, no, I, it's I, important. four decades of my life, I've been a total coward about this. So I'm part of the problem. But, um, but you know, there's this woman, um, Eleanor McCullen in um, Massachusetts, who was um, a plaintiff in a Supreme Court case a, a number of years ago about buffer zones. And she stands in front of Planned Parenthood. Um, I don't know if she, she does it to this day because of coronavirus, but um, she's, she's an older woman and she would stand outside Planned Parenthood with a sign that said something like, help, hope, love, and her phone number. And, um, and she would simply say good morning. And um, that was sometimes the sign a woman needed. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, this is a motherly, woman, you know, she's a grandmother, a grandmotherly figure um, who yeah. is smiling at me and cares that I'm here and she's not judging me. Right. And so often they would go over to her and, you know, she'd, she'd ask, you know, how are you doing? And, and oh. she might start crying and, 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 uh, you know, she should start to talk to her like a human being. And, yeah. um, you know, many times this conversation ended in Eleanor taking her to, to go have a sonogram and, um, you know, oh. and tea and, you know, perfect. And so there are children who are named after her and her husband. Oh. There's so many beautiful stories and all she did was be there and, and be a vessel of love. And I think more of us need to be thinking about these things and not, you know, yes, just standing out there. Um, and they're, you know, they're sidewalk advocates for life. Well, um, they have training videos and um, I would suggest you go through your respects life office, you know, um, in, in your diocese. Um, I'm actually currently trying to, to get myself trained so I can have a conversation if it, oh, if, if it ever needs to bless you. Well, there's this woman, I, I could kick myself last week who at first I thought she was one of the pro-lifers and, but she looked so distracted and, and yeah, it turned out she was, she was going in for an abortion and she was all alone. And it was, it was the morning after a blizzard or the blizzard was, I guess it wasn't actually blizzard, oh, yeah, that, yeah. after the big snowstorm. Yeah. And so they were opening a little later, but of course they were opening and, and this poor girl was out in the, in the cold alone. And um, hmm. yeah, I just, more people need to be there um, yep. for, for them. And I really do uh, worry that we've gotten too comfortable with the fact that abortion is legal and um and and a little too comfortable just arguing about it and that's yeah, not, that's not work. everybody we have the sisters of life and we have wonderful people who run you know women's care clinics and right. centers and all these beautiful pro-life ministries but um there's a lot of us out here and what more can we be doing you know that's a good question to ask ourselves, especially this this Christmas season, you know, the birth of Christ. And this, what a good time to ask that question, because especially, you know, the swearing in and the inauguration and all that of the of the, the new, uh, not only president, vice president, administration, cabinet and all that, things are going to change a lot. And, you know, Catholic, yes. And on the other hand, extreme, extremism on abortion is 
is so serious. Our church teaches usccb.org website has so much there about the gospel of life, the teachings of the Catholic church, but Catherine, what, what better time for this message than the birth of Christ, you know, coming as he did so humbly in that stable and, and, and he came, God, you know, came to earth, sent his only begotten son so that we might have life, so that we will have life. This, this is the preeminent issue. So this is the first issue before any other right. We can't, we, you, we can't argue for other rights if we can't stand for the, for the person's right to even live. So that, so that is the perfect segue to what I have to get in here while we st- I still have you which is that stable in Bethlehem and that quiet presence of St. Joseph. Catherine, I was so like overjoyed, like head over heels, like woohoo joy. When I learned, although I thought it was kind of odd that it was announced on December 8th, if you see the Mecca conception, but that aside, that Saint, there's going to be, a, that there is now a year of St. Joseph. I was so thrilled. I love him. I pray to him every day. I have a very long litany of people I pray to, but St. Joseph's right there near the top. And talk, talk about that for a moment, what that meant to you, what that means to you, because you wrote about that. You wrote St. Saint jo- Joseph, Man of the Year, and you just wrote that, <laughs> what, two days ago. So you have to remember that column. Only very well, yesterday, actually. Uh, well, one of the, the, the great gifts of Pope Francis, and I know, I know it's complicated, and I know... There's a mess but, um, in in so much of the church today, but one of the tremendous blessings of his pontificate is um, his love for Saint Joseph. And um, a few months in, I think it was a Friday in early June, I think, of the first year of his papacy. I woke up, and it was the first time you saw pictures of him and Benedict together, oh. and. Um, they consecrated the the Vatican to Saint Joseph and Saint Michael, mm-hmm. and I thought, "Oh my goodness, these are two men who know what's going on mm-hmm. in the deepest levels, the spiritual warfare. There's mm-hmm. evil stuff that goes down there, <laughs> and uh, and I not I am not laughing because I think it's funny. I think it's like." Mm-hmm. They know, and and thanks be to God, they're calling on some tremendous powers to help clear out the rot and the scandal, and um and so Saint Michael and Saint Joseph, and I I actually thought it was extraordinarily beautiful that he made this announcement, and I was kind of stunned, but then it made perfect sense on on um, the feast day of the Immaculate Conception because. I think part of what he's been trying to show us is, is this, this quiet presence in the Holy Family is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And it's like going back to Andrew Walther, his, his pastor, a Dominican priest, described him as a St. Joseph figure. Oh, wow. A man who is behind the scenes, who is, is, is quiet but wise, who loves the church, loves the family, you know, um, did so much even before his, he got married to Maureen uh, to, to help support families of the Knights of Columbus. And, and um, this, is, this is what we need to be in the world, you know? And I think one of the blessings of uh, this awful pandemic is that 
families have been able to spend more time together. And, uh, you know, men don't have the same, obviously women have commutes too, but, um, you know, uh, it's more the case that, you know, they're, they're more stay-at-home moms than, than dads. And, and so oftentimes it's real struggle. Um, it's a struggle for women too. Um, but, um, but I think that, that St. Joseph um, can be such a, a help to us all and um, I'm so grateful that he did that. You know, and I think that there's the, uh, an emphasis on silence and uh, listening for God's voice. And even, even you know, in dreams, you know, um, God, God can make use of everything. And um, I'm kind of, I'm sometimes stunned. You know, I wake up and... It, that was relevant, you know? Right. right. Um, sometimes it's just crazy, but. <laughs> yeah, that too, especially yeah. during this year. This year, especially, they, experts are saying that. This year, especially people are having really weird dreams. Uh, not every night, but a whole lot of the times. But other times, Catherine, just out of the blue, one can never know when it's going to happen. Sometimes it can be very rare, but you do realize in those first waking moments, that was important. That was special. There was something in that. It might have otherwise been kind of a wacky dream, the way dreams can be, but there was a message in it or something you recall from it that you that stays with you and, 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 and cherish that. You, well, Joseph, you know, famously visited by an angel in a dream, you know, to take the Holy Family to safety, to Egypt. And then again, when it was time to bring them back, uh, Joseph didn't say a word in scripture. So he was a quiet man, but he was a, a strong, quiet man. And you point out in here the, the words, we must learn to look upon our weaknesses with tender mercy. And I believe that those are Pope Francis's words in his proclamation of the year of St. Joseph. But wow, to look on our weaknesses with tender mercy, that really describes St. Joseph. And we need to pray to him during this year of St. Joseph. Catherine, I just can't think, as you said, St. Joseph and St. Michael the Archangel, two better patrons for 2020. And this moment, actually, don't even wait for that. That I don't even know if we're going to call it the ball drop in Times Square. I don't know what they're going to do. But, um, but when we don't have to wait for that, for us to get to 2021, January 1st, start now. Praying to St. Joseph. Look how powerful he is. God chose him to be the foster father. of, And that gets to foster care. Oh my gosh, we got to do, we do a whole <laughs> yeah, hour soon. That one. <laughs> we we got to get to an hour of foster care and adoption. And oh, there's so much. And you do a lot of webinars on that. How powerful that is. How much we need to focus on well, that. In I've the been new like year. a crazy person, Sheila, <laughs> being like, you know, Catholics, we need to like, we're were orphans who were adopted by god you know yep. like maybe we need to pay more attention to the fact that there are children in our country a oh. hundred thousand of them who don't have homes and yeah. so when and i i sometimes i want to you know hit my head against the wall because it's it's um it can be very hard because it's um it's it's a big ask and you know but uh so then when Pope Francis declared a year of a foster father, <laughs> I was, I was are. More, more than delighted, let me tell you. He, he, he gave you a new entree to open like exactly. everything you do on foster care and adoption with the year of St. Joseph. 
How perfect is that? Well, no, I, and, and yeah, the hitting the head against the walls, I, I understand that when we, oh my gosh, I really so want to help these children. Well, you know, you and I have both seen some of our friends post on Facebook, the very good message that those cleaning out their homes and finding old luggage, don't discard it. Please donate it to a foster care center because when children do get placed in a home, they most of the time have to take whatever little they own in the way of clothing uh, in, a, in like a, 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 those, you know, plastic trash bags, as opposed to a, a piece of baggage of their own, luggage of their own that somebody might've just tossed because it was slightly torn or frazzled or whatever. Uh, so is that child. I mean, that child would then own and have a piece of dignity, uh, but restored by owning that. And, and so, this, so, so Catherine, to that point, oh my gosh, I can't solve this problem. I wish I could, but what, what we can do is that we can all do something. So we all ought to do the one thing we can do or the two things. Well, or three the things. other thing though, is that I, um, I think that every parish needs to start asking questions. Yeah. Um, how many, you know, not every family is equipped to take in a foster child because of, you know, financial constraints or, you know, the, there can be very legitimate reasons, right? That having been said, you Absolutely. know, parishes need to make, make themselves aware of what the need is. And this is where evangelicals have an advantage, right? They don't have the whole bureaucracy. I think Catholics assume someone's taking care of the problem. But the fact of the matter is there are more than 400,000 children in America in foster care. Many of them are older children, so no one wants to adopt them, right? Because they have baggage. Well, you know what? Guess who the future criminals of America are? Mm. If the, you know, this is why the death penalty makes me so furious because we're not helping those children when they're children before they've committed crimes. But when no one's cared about them their entire lives, what do you think they're going to do? And mm. so parishes should be making themselves. And this is another place where lay leadership can do so much. Right. And I'm not suggesting that every parishioner has to adopt a child. I'm suggesting that as a parish, you consider what, what, does, what does it mean that Pope Francis just made a foster father um, a, our, our patron for a year, you know? Um, what, mm -hmm. what does that mean for our responsibility to children who don't have fathers, mm -hmm. who don't have, have families, um, you know? There, there are going to be a couple of families who are going to think about this and pray for, prayerfully consider this choice. And then they're going to need the rest of the parish to rally around them. Right. Because there will be children who have trauma and mental illness and anger issues because they've been discarded, you know, right. um, because they don't have anyone to love them. They don't have a family. You know, in America, we have people who age out, people, children who age out, out of the foster care system who purposely get themselves arrested so they have somewhere to sleep and shower and eat. Yep. This is what you're talking about when they're still younger and they haven't committed crimes yet. And I immediately thought, however, when they age out, there they go. They're off. They're, they're out there on the streets. And that's when the crime begins. The gangs 
are more than happy to snatch up anybody they can get in their ranks. And, and, and then others who are already on the streets see, oh, I, there's somebody new we can prey upon. And, and, and then the, the life of crime begins. And so, you know, there's so much parishes can do. You and Lisa Wheeler and I have talked about this before. In parishes, first of all, start the conversation. Just get that going in your parish in the first place. Uh, adoption and foster care. Do you even know if there are any foster yeah, care in your right. parish? Yeah. And then gift cards for that family. Or what can we do to help the family or families in our parish who are foster homes or uh, parents who adopt? And, and maybe uh, bring together a group. Or if not a group, then, you know, again, the gift cards can help. Or, you know, a, a home uh, sitting for the children and give the parents, you know, time off and being, you know, maybe around other children. I don't know. There's so many things in, in these roundtables we've done before and webinars you've done. That, that have I generated ideas, but every parish can do this, every parish. So we should generate these ideas, all of us within our own parishes. We have so much to do going forward, starting now. The most important thing is to keep, keep giving God time, quiet time in prayer, right. so that we can actually have some shot at knowing his will. And when we actually give him time, he shows us, he gives signs. He's ridiculously generous to me and I am so stubborn yeah. sometimes. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and don't, don't feel like you need to be the savior, um, but we, we owe him so much. And yes. so I think going into this new year, you know, how, how can we be more fully Christian? Um, because really we're, we're supposed to give him everything. And we don't. And so how can we do that better? And we Only need to be grace. We need to, there you go. And we need to be mindful of that question every single day and do what you said before. I've been doing this for a while lately. Is what I'm doing right now important? Do I really need to do this or read that or, or fo follow this news article or this rabbit hole of link to link to link to link? And then when I asked myself that question, Catherine, inevitably the answer is no. And then the thought, and this is long before it hit the politician's world and they started using this all the time. I learned it at a women's uh, gathering in DC at a seminar. I was working with some of the women there, you know, well, our, our mutual friends. And I, that's where I learned the saying, stay in your lane. And so I've been asking myself more recently, so is this in my lane? And I thought, no, what, would I like to write about this or read this article or whatever? Maybe, but that's not my lane. When, when you brought up, what are the latest tweets of the president? Oh, please. You know, that's not my lane. That's not my reporting. That's not what I do. So if we do pray to discern, as you said, Pray to desire and accept God's will and discern it and pray for the grace to, to carry it out. If we do that every day and ask ourselves, do I really need to be doing this? Drop what you're doing if you don't need to be doing it, but discern what you do. And then if we can apply ourselves to that, imagine the difference we can make. We do a lot of obsessing about things that we do not have to obsess about. That's right. And actually obsession is, is not what we should be about um and uh and so don't get sucked into these things um and the world the fact of the matter is the world needs more beauty and truth and love yes. and so yes. be that yes amen okay beauty truth love be be grateful 
be loving, be charitable, smile more. Although, as you said, with masks, who's going to well, know? You can Maybe. wave. You can wave. Then people get the same. They, they get that. And they can, you can also tell from people's eyes when they're smiling, usually. Uh, not just the Irish eyes smiling, but you can really, and no, that was just, I had to throw that in there. But <laughs> you, you could tell. I know I, it, it's, it's just not natural. Masks aren't. And no, neither is the six, six foot distance because we need human touch. Uh, it does seem like it's from the devil, as it's, it's no uh, probably coincidence, or I never use that word anyway, that there are all these new books, you know, you and I receive a lot of new books from publicists, and there's just so many that have been coming out about the devil. Well, that's not surprising, I guess, you know, with this kind of year, uh, Pope Francis has brought up the devil a number of times. That's one of the things big elite media don't quote him on. However, they do cherry pick what he writes, uh, what, he, what he says. But it's, it's important that we know, of course, evil's out there. It's pretty evident. And, um, and just pray just every single day. You've got Catherine's book, A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. Catherine, I'm going to post more links to that. People need to get, the, get yourself a Christmas gift of this book and get a couple so you can give the other one to somebody else or three or four. Catherine, I, I happen to have, have had three on hand, perfectly brand new <laughs> when I was asked by a family member, oh, I really need... I really, really need three good gifts for my staff members. Do you have any good ideas? And I said, oh, as a matter of fact, I not only have a good idea, I actually have the gifts and you can have them. Oh, so wow. um, this is what we've got to do. Give and be grateful and be thankful and keep giving and keep praying more. What does God want me to do right now? And do nothing that will sadden the Holy Spirit. Oh, amen. That's beautiful. Catherine Jean Lopez, you are always such a pleasure to talk with. God bless you, my friend. Always P bless Thank you and keep you. God bless you too. Thank you. And again, you stay well. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Blessed Christmas to you. And I hope to talk with you soon, sooner than, well, the new year is coming up soon, but uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. God bless you. That's all for now, but there's so much to cover in the weeks to come. Please share this link with others and invite them to join us next time here in the forum.